You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Thursday, continuing to march towards media day and training camp. I got very excited yesterday talking about the Pelicans' new slogan, Won't Bow Down, really dove into what that means for the team and the city and the ties between that. It was a lot of fun, kind of insightful. Give it a listen if you haven't already. I'll give you a rundown on the training camp roster. But now let's dive into some of these other topics that have been going on around the league, around the team, as we gear up for media day and the start of training camp next week, leading into the open practice, and then shortly after that to their first preseason game. So we've got a couple of things to talk about today. We're going to dive into the disabled player exception that the Pelicans were granted last week by the NBA. I'm going to tell you how they can, what it is first and foremost, how they can use it, some things they can't use it on, and how you can get a little bit creative with it. I want to touch on Lonzo Ball, stuff going on with him and his dad, some comments that his dad said, which were kind of interesting. But I think overall, this is an okay thing for that, for a very specific reason. Then we're going to jump into the tampering fix that the NBA supposedly has put out there. Even though they find a team for tampering the other day, I don't think that was really what they were going for. But this does somewhat pertain to the Pelicans and the NBA as a whole, and we'll touch on that as well. So a lot to cover in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Now, before we get into that, I need a favor from you all listening to the podcast today. Subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast five stars in a review, please. I don't ask for much. This podcast comes to you guys for free all the time. Giving it a subscription, hitting that button, and leaving a review, a five-star review, really does help. Keeps this free in five days a week for you all. Take 30 seconds out of your day to do that. Be a great help to the podcast as we gear up for what's the most exciting season in a very long time for the New Orleans Pelicans. So let's jump into the disabled player exception and what this means for the Pelicans. So first and foremost, they applied for and were granted a disabled player exception for the injured Darius Miller. This comes to basically half or so of his contract, comes to $3.625 million that they can use. This is an exception that allows you to go over the salary cap, almost like any other one, with a couple restrictions. You can only use it on one player in a trade or a uh, free agent signing. It does not give you a roster spot like some of these other ones don't really do either. You just need to have them. But if you're using the ones in free agency, you have a roster spot because you wouldn't be able to use them otherwise. This one, kind of a similar thing if you want to be able to use it, meaning they would likely need to cut Jaleel Okafor or Kenrich Williams. Probably not going to happen. And then with this... It basically means you can only get a guy for a one-year deal through free agency through the remainder of that season that the player is injured for, 
or a guy on an expiring or ending contract. So no options or anything like that. They've got to have one year remaining on their deal. So it's a little bit more restrictive than some of these other exceptions out there. You see teams get these often, but you don't always see them use them. The roster spot is likely the main reason. But what can the Pelicans do with this? Are they even likely to use it? I'd say it's maybe... 50-50 because they don't have an open roster spot right now. No, they're not going to be using this disabled player exception because frankly, I don't know if there's a wing out there at $3.625 million or at any money that's necessarily better than Kenrich Williams for what Kenrich Williams does on this team, the Pelicans, for the coming season. So I think you're kind of limited in the options that you could go out and use this for. Where it gets interesting and creative is... You, you, if say the Pelicans make a trade, they ship out Jaleel Okafor and Etwan Moore and bring back one player and all of a sudden have an open roster spot. You can use the disabled player exception on a guy, bring him in for $3.625 million, and then still trade Darius Miller away using the full amount of his salary, that's $7 million, as kind of trade weight. As, you know, maybe combine him with someone else and bring back a guy that's like $12 million or so, while still retaining the guy that you signed with the disabled player exception. That's a very cool feature of this. If you trade Darius Miller away during the regular season, the disabled player exception goes away if you don't use it. But once you've used it, you've got the player and it's not like you have to cut and wave him. So there is maybe how the Pelicans could get creative. And if that's the case, by the way, well, then you see Gail Benson is really paying and really committed to getting this franchise in the state that it should be and winning, even if it's this year when they're not necessarily going to be the most competitive or title contender. So that's what the Pelicans are kind of looking at. If the Pelicans do make a trade and bring someone in for the disabled player exception, kind of absorb them into that, they can actually go up to $3.725 million because it's the disabled player exception plus another $100,000. we are getting too into the weeds here and I don't think that really matters, but that's how they can use it. They have it. It's in their back pocket. It'll likely expire sometime around mid-March. I forget the exact day, and it might not be set yet. But that's where you're looking for. If they do trade for a guy and then try and... Uh, or if they do trade for a guy with the disabled player exception, they can still trade that guy away later, too. If he's being packaged with multiple players... So say they trade for someone at $3.625 million, player X, and then decide to move him and another player on the team, say Etwan Moore, so all of a sudden you're looking at $11, 12000000 million dollars here that you'd be able to trade out for you've got to wait two months from when you acquire that player so if the pelicans are going to do this and they're going to kind of move the guy that they bring in with that uh disabled player exception same thing for trade and a guy they sign it's that two-month period they're likely going to need to do so around the middle of december since we're I, I don't have the dates in front of me but the trade deadline was early last year it's going to be early again this year to try and get some of those deals done and not have everyone tampering which we'll touch on in the third segment here um, during the uh, during the All Star Game, so you'll get you will get a sense of maybe what they're gonna do with this sometime around mid December, assuming if it's a guy they want and then flip in the future. But they have flexibility, they have options. I don't think anything's gonna be imminent. I'd say it's probably more likely than not they won't use this, so it could be 50-50. But those are the options that they have and the technical details around the disabled player exception. 
So we're going to touch on Lonzo Ball and the NBA making some tampering fixes, which I don't actually think are going to lead to any meaningful changes. But let me tell you about something that might bring you some meaningful changes and something that I've been using. And it's kind of my secret weapon for learning new things and just kind of catching up on stuff I want to on the go when I don't have time. It's hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more. And when you don't have the free time, you can't kind of work on personal development, something I think that is really important. But there's an incredible app that solves this problem and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, basically all the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people, business leaders, they all read and absorb and learn more information and new things. I can't do that during the regular season because I'm so involved with the Pelicans and everything else going on, but I can find 15 minutes I need to catch up on a book that's been recommended to me or something I think that's going to help me grow as a person. And that's the reason that I use Blinkist and really like it. So with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want and all for one low price. And right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for Locked On Pelicans listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Locked On to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Locked On to start your seven-day free trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash Locked On. So Lonzo Ball, after he was on the lighthearted podcast with your own Josh Hart here from the New Orleans Pelicans, who has a new episode out talking about Won't Bow Down, which is very cool. You get insight from the players on this sort of thing, too, there. he Some more stuff came out from his dad, LeVar Ball, who I really dislike talking about, but is newsworthy, saying that basically in an interview and quote, Colin more or less Lonzo damaged goods because of the injuries. Now, this quote was massively taken out out of context with the damaged goods thing and it was basically just being like yo just because the shoes are falling apart doesn't mean you just throw them to the side and you don't try and fix it or get it better that would be like me your dad calling you damaged goods because you've only played 99 games in the NBA in two years not great certainly I think as a thing to say but I don't know it's interesting to see this and with news that LaMelo Ball his the the youngest Ball brother is lighting it up in Australia and playing his way into the top three the top pick conversation for next year's NBA draft I know the season hasn't even started yet and we're already discussing the 2020 draft but he's looked that good in Australia and we're by the way going to have a DD update because he's playing down there too, just probably not today or maybe tomorrow if we've got some time in the podcast. So it's interesting to see that his dad's kind of back in the news after all of this. But even then, I don't think he's going to be around this team. It's just basically like LaMelo Ball is the new hotness. And if LaBar Ball can latch on to him and it's his son and he's proven he's pretty good at being able to do this, he's likely going to go do that, particularly a guy who might get taken number one overall, which Lonzo wasn't. And this kind of lets Lonzo get out from the shadow of his father and more or less be his own man, which I think you're really starting to see him be and act like than maybe we have in the past. And I wasn't following him that closely in the NBA, but 
I've talked to a lot of people, I've caught up on a lot of this too. And it seems like with making the change to switch shoes, to no longer do the big baller brand thing, to have that two tattoo covered up, that he's kind of grown. And, you know, he is a father. Maybe that has something to do with it too, that he realized he needs to kind of be in more charge of his life. But overall, I think this is good. And it's pretty good uh, sign of maturity I think in Lonzo Ball to be taking these steps that one though his dad saying these things about him being damaged goods again taken out of context not a big deal but I like the guy who's likely to be the starting point guard for the Pelicans to be taking charge of his own life really stepping into that and I think that's the maturity you want to see from these young guys that are on the Pelicans roster so very cool to see it means I'm not as worried about LeVar Ball kind of creeping up or causing any sort of issues for his son Lonzo here while he's in New Orleans because frankly I don't think Lonzo is going to let that be the case and I like him taking charge of this I think it only is going to lead to good things now let's just hope his shot form changes a little bit we saw him in the offseason I talked about it in all of these videos making threes and we know he can make threes with that shot of his he did it at UCLA at a really high clip I think him pulling the hand over his face kind of this cross arm thing is not great because you really do lose sight of the basket when he does it. But at the end of the day, I don't care about your shot form as long as the ball goes in. Then it's a good shot to me, and it's good form if you're making a lot. I just don't know if he's going to be there yet. Hopeful, because that's going to be very key to making him a significantly better player and really unlocking things and just helping the Pelicans in the half court a good bit too. But he's going to be able to play in transition, and you know he's taking charge of his own life. Maybe he can take charge of this Pelicans offense, make the right reads, make the right passes. He'll be able to be good in transition, which I think can kind of limit some of the negatives of him in the half court. So we're going to talk about tampering and why I don't think the rule changes the NBA put in place are going to really make much of a difference, but we'll touch on that in a second. But before we get to that, again, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans, leave a five-star review, but I've got another request. If you feel like doing it, you guys have already done the first thing, subscribing, leaving the review. The next step, this completes the trifecta. Tell a friend who doesn't listen to the podcast. You're excited about the team this year. I'm excited about the team this year. You want to talk about the team this year. You want to talk to your friends about the team this year. Well, you don't want your friend to kind of be that dumb one who doesn't really know what they're talking about that isn't enjoyable to discuss basketball with. So make sure they're listening to Locked on Pelicans so they're not that person because I have one or two of those myself and it's like, Come on, you guys. So tell a friend about the podcast. Let them know where it is, why they should be listening. Let's spread the word. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. So let's get people excited for it. Let's get people turned out to the Smoothie King Center. Tell a friend about the Locked On Pelicans podcast. So the NBA rolled out new uh, rules, I guess is maybe the way to put it, regarding tampering and new new enforcement policies. That's the word I'm looking for with it. New ways to enforce tampering, upping the fine to 5 to $10 million potentially, to taking away draft picks from teams that are caught tampering. And all of this is to basically stop teams and agents from getting deals done before the start of free agency. We've seen this. It happens. The second the clock turns over and they moved it to 6 p.m. This past year, I had a party at my house for it and we barbecued just to watch all the deals roll in the second the clock hit 6 o'clock because we knew they would start to be announced. And they did. And guess who was in that number with like the third or fourth deal done? The Pelicans and J.J. Redick. I don't know if they negotiated a two-year, $26 million deal in about a minute and a half. Maybe there was tampering. Maybe not. 
I don't know, I wasn't there. But you guys get what I mean. When we see these deals and they're agreed upon and everything, it's kind of surprising. Now, I don't think it's uh, things that uh, can't get done that quickly. Teams and player teams likely know what a player is worth on the open market. And I don't necessarily know how much negotiation goes into these um, these salaries. They probably go, "This is what we're going to give your guy. This is what he's getting out on the open market. Do you want it or not?" I think sometimes, and sometimes a deal will just get done really quickly. The players likely know exactly kind of what their worth is and their value around the league in terms of salary. So sometimes these things don't actually need to be complicated. But when all of these come in, yeah, that's a little bit surprising and a little bit suspect. And that part's kind of harmless. But it's when stuff really starts to get talked about during the regular season, during other times that I think has kind of become an issue where you're starting to see some things feel a little bit preordained and there's not a whole lot that anyone else can do about it. Maybe that's not fair to teams that aren't doing this. Likely most teams are doing this. Likely every team's doing this. But the NBA at least wants to appear that everything's kind of on the same competitive playing field. I think that's right. So what they might do now is take some phones away and investigate what messages are being sent back and forth, what calls are being made back and forth. They might take away servers to see if there's emails or anything like that and kind of go digging around for all of that. And all of that isn't going to matter. There's only been one team that I can think of off the top of my head since I've been covering this that has been caught for tampering with like a signed deal in a paper trail. I want to say it was, it was the Timberwolves was it with Josh Smith. I think it might have been with Josh Smith that they very clearly tampered there and tried to sign him to some other stuff too and circumvent the salary cap, I think is the phrase. And so they took away a first round pick. I think that's what it was, but I'm almost certain it was the Timberwolves. You don't have anyone else really leaving paper trails. You know, when you're making crimes and doing crimes, you don't want to, like, leave a breadcrumb for people to follow you. And for the most part, even the dumb ones, even the bad ones, I should say, NBA GMs are pretty smart. So we're entering the burner era of the NBA, which we might have already been in before, that, yeah, someone also just have another cell phone and use that to contact an agent's burner phone. And the NBA is not going to know to confiscate that or know that anything went on. Or maybe you just have these talks in person and there's no paper trail or anything like that. I don't know exactly how it's going to get done, but I don't think that this is going to really stop things. And execs have been speaking anonymously, being like, yeah, maybe for a little bit I won't do it. And then I'll kind of see what's going on and find out others are doing it. So then I'll go back to doing it and just really not try and get caught. Which makes a ton of sense. This seems like it wouldn't be that hard to kind of avoid what the NBA could do. The thing is, we don't know what their reach is going to be. Their plans are to audit five teams randomly every year. So you can expect the Lakers to probably be in there every single year because we know they love to tamper. But they don't know what the reach of the investigation or anything like that is going to be. And the NBA is specifically not telling them that because... If you know what they're going to audit and what they're going to look at, well, then you just kind of don't use those official means or those ways to go about doing it. I just don't know how this stuff is really going to be that enforceable on everything, particularly because maybe you call an agent and go, I was talking, we were talking about his player and there was a concern. And so the agent called me, but actually they were talking about other things. I don't think this is like the White House where they record all of the presidential communications. So this is really interesting to me on how they're going to do it. 
And I just don't think it's going to work. And then, of course, the other day, they come out and find the Milwaukee freaking Bucks, $50,000, their GM, John Horst, for talking about at a public thing saying, yeah, we're going to give Giannis the Supermax. Like the day after the rules go in place, they find a team for tampering with their own player. Everyone in the world knows they're going to give Giannis the Supermax. I, so there is a rule. You do need to find him for that because they broke it. And he said that at the event, their GM was like, I can't really talk about it. And then it was like, yeah, but you know what? Here you go. And then he got fined 50 grand for it. You got to do that stuff like two weeks later because the comedic timing on it, literally the day after, like we put in new tampering rules and then you fine him. It doesn't really work. But I don't think this is actually going to stop some of the major things that go on in the NBA, unfortunately. Maybe I'm being cynical. Maybe it's because I cover a small market team here. I'm going to wait and see how this goes. I hope it does. Leveling things out a little bit, I think, is going to be a good thing. But, like I said with J.J. Redick, maybe they were, maybe they not, maybe they weren't. I don't really know. I just don't think this is all going to matter in the end. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Back tomorrow, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, and tell a friend about the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. We'll continue talking about all the biggest things around this Pelicans franchise leading up to Media Day, leading up to training camp. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned tomorrow. Stay tuned for Monday as well. I'll be back with you then.